Francisco City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so by heading over to Facebook and finding the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria Vagrida. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Today is day number 114, and we are reading today from chapter 16 of volume 2, paragraphs 208 to 214. 208. Having pursued their journey four days, the Most Holy Mary and her spouse arrived at the town of Judah, where Zachary and Elizabeth then lived. This was the special and proper name of the place where the parents of St. John lived for a while, and therefore the evangelist St. Luke specifies it, calling it Judea, although the commentators have commonly believed that this was not the name of the town in which Elizabeth and Zechariah lived, but simply the name of the province which was called Judah or Judea, just as the same reason the mountains south of Jerusalem were called the mountains of Judea. But it was expressly revealed to me that this town was called Judah, and that the evangelist calls it by its proper name, although the learned expositors have understood by this name of Judah the province in which that town was situated. This confusion arose from the fact that some years after the death of Christ, the town of Judah was destroyed. And as the commentators found no trace of such a town, they inferred that St. Luke meant the province and not a town. Thus, the great difference of opinion in regard to the place where Most Holy Mary visited Elizabeth, are easily explained. 209. As holy obedience has enjoined upon me the duty of clearing up these doubts on account of the strange inconsistency in the sayings of learned men, I will also add to what I have already said, that the house in which the visitation took place was built upon the very spot on which now the faithful pilgrims who travel to or live in the Holy Land venerate the divine mysteries transacted during the visit. Although the town of Judah itself, where the house of Zechariah stood, is ruined, the Lord did not permit the memory of the venerable locality in which those great mysteries transpired, and which were hallowed by the footsteps of Most Holy Mary, of Christ our Lord and of the Baptist, as well as of his holy parents, to be blotted out and effaced from the memory of men. Therefore, it was by divine influence that the ancient Christians built up those churches and restored the holy places in order to preserve by the agency of divine light the traditional truth and to renew the memory of the admirable sacraments. Thus, we ourselves, the faithful of our times, can enjoy the blessing of venerating and worshiping the sacred localities, proclaiming and confessing our Catholic faith in the works of redemption. 2.10 For the better understanding of these things, let it be remembered that after the demon had become aware on Calvary that Christ our Lord was God and the Redeemer of men, he sought with incredible fury to blot out the remembrance of him 
from the land of the living, as Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 11:19. And the same is to be said of the memory of his most holy mother. Thus he managed to have the most holy cross hidden and buried underground and to have it delivered as spoil of war to the Persians. And in the same way, he procured the ruin and obliteration of many holy places. On this account, the holy angels carried back and forth so many times the venerable and holy house of Loretto. For the same dragon who pursued the heavenly lady, Apocalypse twelve thirteen, had already excited the minds of the inhabitants of that land to tear down and raise to the ground that the most sacred oratory, which had been the workshop of the Most High in the mystery of the Incarnation. The same astute hatred of the enemy urged negligence of the inhabitants, who gradually died off, partly also by untoward events and happenings. Yet the Lord did not allow all traces of the house of Zachary to be effaced or obliterated on account of the sacraments which were there enacted. This town was distant from Nazareth. As I have said, 26 leagues and about two leagues from Jerusalem. And it was situated in that part of the Judean mountains where the stream Sorek takes its rise. After the birth of St. John and the return of the Most Holy Mary and her spouse Joseph to Nazareth, St. Elizabeth received a divine revelation that a great calamity and slaughter impended over the infants of Bethlehem and its vicinity. And though the revelation was indeterminate and unclear, it nevertheless induced the mother of St. John to betake herself with Zechariah, her husband, to Hebron, which was eight leagues more or less from Jerusalem, for they were rich and noble, and they had dwellings not only in Judah and Hebron, but had houses and possessions also in other places. When the Most Holy Mary and Joseph were on their way flying from Herod to Egypt, Matthew 2.14, after the birth of the word, and some months after the birth of St. John, St. Elizabeth and Zechariah were in Hebron. Zechariah died four months after our Lord was born, which was ten months after the birth of his son John. It seems to me I have now sufficiently solved this doubt, and it ought to be evident that the house of the visitation was neither in Jerusalem nor in Bethlehem nor in Hebron, but in the town called Judah. I saw that this is the true explanation, which was made known to me by the divine light together with the outward mysteries of this heavenly history. Afterwards, when I was constrained by obedience to ask about this matter, a holy angel again made the same declaration to me. 2.12 It was at the city of Judah and at the house of Zechariah that the most holy Mary and Joseph arrived. In order to announce their visit, St. Joseph hastened ahead of Mary and calling out saluted the inmates of the house, saying, The Lord be with you and fill your souls with divine grace. Elizabeth was already forewarned, for the Lord himself had informed her in a vision that Mary of Nazareth had departed to visit her. She had also in this vision been made aware that the heavenly lady was most pleasing in the eyes of the Most High, while the mystery of her being the mother of God was not revealed to her until the moment when they both saluted each other in private. But St. Elizabeth immediately issued forth with a few of her family, in order to welcome Most Holy Mary, who, as the more and humble and younger in years, hastened to salute her cousin, saying, The Lord be with you, my dearest cousin. And Elizabeth answered, The same Lord reward you for having come in order to afford me this pleasure. With these words, they entered the house of Zechariah, and what happened I will relate in the following chapter. Instruction which our Queen and Lady gave me. 2.13 
My daughter, whenever the creature holds in proper esteem the good works and the services which the Lord commands for his glory, it will feel within itself great facility of operation, great sweetness in undertaking them, and a readiness and alacrity in continuing and pursuing them. These different feelings then give testimony of their being truly useful and commanded by God. But the soul cannot experience these affections if it is not altogether devoted to the Lord, keeping its gaze fixed upon his divine pleasure, hearing of it with joy, executing it with alacrity, and forgetting its own inclination and conveniences. The soul must be like the faithful servant who seeks to do only the will of his master and not his own. This is the manner of obeying, which is fruitful and which is due from all the creatures to their God, and much more from all the religious who explicitly promise this kind of obedience, in order that thou, my dearest, mayest attain to it perfectly. Remember with what esteem David in many places speaks of the precepts, Psalm 118, of the sayings and of the justifications of the Lord, and remember the effects which they caused in the prophet and even now in the souls. He says that they make the infants wise, Psalm 18.8, rejoice the heart of men, Psalm 18.9, that they enlighten the eyes of the souls so they become a more brilliant light in its footsteps, Psalm 118.105, that they are more sweet than honey, Psalm 18.11, more desirable and more estimable than the most precious stones, This promptitude and subjection to the divine will and to his laws made David so conformable to the heart of God. These are the kinds of souls his majesty seeks for his servants and friends. 1 Kings 13.14, Acts 13.22. Attend, therefore, my daughter, with all solicitude to the works of virtue and perfection, which thou knowest to be desirable in the eyes of the Lord. Despise none of them, nor withdraw from any of them, and cease not to exercise them, no matter how violently thy inclinations and thy weaknesses should oppose the exercise. Trust in the Lord and proceed to put them into execution, and soon his power will overcome all difficulties. Soon thou wilt know by happy experience how light is the burden and how sweet is the yoke of the Lord. Matthew eleven thirteen. He did not deceive us when he spoke these words, as might be argued by the tepid and the negligent, who in their torpidity and distrust tacitly repudiate the truth of this sacrament, the truth of this statement. I wish also that thou, in order to imitate me in this perfection, take notice of the favor which the divine condescension vouchsafed me in furnishing me with the most sweet love and affection for the creatures as participators in the divine goodness and existence." In this love I sought to console, alleviate, and enliven all the souls, and by a natural compassion I procured all spiritual and corporeal goods for them. To none of them, no matter how great sinners they might have been, did I wish any evil on the contrary. I was urged by the great compassion of my tender heart to procure for them eternal salvation. From this also arose my anxiety concerning the grief which was to grow out of my pregnancy to my spouse, St. Joseph, for to him I owed more than to all other creatures. Tender compassion filled my heart, especially for the suffering and the infirm, and I tried to obtain some relief for all. In these virtues, then, I wish that thou, making use of this knowledge of them, give to thee most prudently, imitate me. 
This concludes our reading today. For day number 114, we read from chapter 16 of volume 2, paragraphs 208 to 214. Well, one of the interesting facts brought out in this reading is about where the visitation takes place. Because in paragraph 208, she says that this was the special and proper name of the place where the parents of St. John lived, that being Judah. And therefore, the evangelist St. Luke specifies it, calling it Judah, though the commentators have commonly believed that this was not the name of the town in which Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. And then she says, but this is not what has been revealed to me, that it actually was Judah, and this is why, that the town of Judah had been obliterated, and so people thought that it didn't exist, but I'm telling you it existed. So she's giving us these facts. So the first thing we know is that probably Venerable Maria Vagreda did no biblical studies. So when she says commentators, she probably heard this in a homily. She heard this when a mission preacher came to the monastery. And so she was able to say that commentators have said this because she's heard it preached about these facts about Judah. But then we have these uh, revelations that are given to her in which she comes to a greater understanding of this. And when she talks about you know, Hebron and Bethlehem and so forth, and if you are familiar with the Holy Land, these are all in the general area. Bethlehem is really only a stone's throw from Jerusalem, although there's this wall there today that separates Bethlehem and Jerusalem. But she writes this in paragraph 211. I saw that this is the true explanation, which was made known to me by divine light together with other mysteries of this heavenly history. So she saw. I think what that means is that in her revelations that she's experiencing, as she's praying, deep in prayer, God gave her this image, and this is why she's able to write it. I think this reading just really helps us to understand how it is Venerable Maria of Agreda is writing this biography of Mary and of the Lord Jesus. There is a beautiful teaching in the instruction Our Lady gave. But the soul cannot experience these affections if it is not altogether devoted to the Lord, keeping its gaze fixed upon his divine pleasure, hearing of it with joy, executing it with alacrity, and forgetting its own inclination and conveniences. So we as Christian faithful, as believers, must always keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. It cannot experience these affections if they are not devoted to the Lord, fixed upon his divine pleasure. Well, how do we experience the divine pleasure? By living a good and holy upright life. We gaze on the Lord and we experience the affections that he gives us, especially as we pray, for example, before the Blessed Sacrament, reserved in the tabernacle or in the monstrance in adoration. We want to have that disposition. We want to be favored in this way. And so we seek to always remain devoted to the Lord. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.